0: There are two questions that I get all the time from real estate investors. The first one is, how do I find deals or how do I find more deals? The second one is, how do I get funding for those deals? Well, I've got you covered. I've created a program that will help you find all the deals you could ever want and also how to Fund all of those deals. It's called the Real Estate Find and Fund Blueprint. That's right. It's a blueprint that will teach you how to find those deals and how to get them all funded. If you go to findandfundblueprint.com You can check out the details, you can get signed up. It's a four week program. I have designed it specifically to make sure that you leave that program with 100% confidence that you can find deals and get them all funded. It's by far the biggest problem that real estate investors have, and they've always had this problem, and I'm here to solve it for you. I wanna get right down into it. We're gonna get into the weeds and talk very, very specific about finding deals and getting them funded. Go check it out findandfundblueprint.com. I can't wait to see you. If you're 21 and you live in your parents' house and you don't have any responsibilities and no bills, great. Go for it. Day one. What do you have to lose, right? You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right. Thank you for joining me on Just Start Real Estate. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here with you. Have another great conversation, another great interview with some folks that are super inspiring. Love it. Love their energy. They've been doing this for a long time and they're still super young. They did this right out of college. Like We just crushed so many excuses in this episode that I think it's going to be powerful for you. Uh, And I'm excited to bring you Khalil and Kiera. Very cool couple Very good looking couple. Very fun couple. And uh, I had a great time talking to them. They are the founders of Charm City Buyers. And they are passionate about changing the narrative in Baltimore and shifting uh, generations by building wealth through real estate. From recent college grads to full-time entrepreneurs, they have grown their seven-figure real estate empire all before the age of 30 via the School of Hard Knocks. They have 20-plus rentals. They're always looking for great flip opportunities. They shared in this episode that they're actually working on a a 50 property land development subdivision. Uh, That's going to be awesome. And they're just growing and crushing it. And I had a great time. And like I said, there was like excuse after excuse that people have that we just crushed in this episode. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, but stay tuned because they dropped probably one of the biggest gold bombs we've had on this show, maybe ever. So you got to listen for it. It's a little Easter egg in there, uh, but you won't miss it. It was huge. It was a big gold bomb. And uh, I'm glad that they said it because I think it's going to help a lot of people. So without any further ado, I give you Khalil and Kiera. All right, guys. Thank you for joining me here on Just Start Real Estate. I appreciate your time and I appreciate you being on.
1: Thank, Thank you for having, you for having us. us. Super excited to be here.
0: Yeah, this will be fun. Uh, I, I, we were talking a little bit before we went uh, live on the mics here, uh, that that the your market and my market has some similar uh, detractors or some similar stereotypes that, that we're fighting and we're dealing with. But uh, I love what you guys are doing. I love your message and I love why you're doing it. Uh, and I think it's going to be super inspirational. So let's dive in. But before we get too, too deep, uh, let's just catch everyone up to where I am. I know a little bit about you guys, but why don't we tell the audience a little bit more about you, uh, your background and how you got into real estate?
2: Yeah. yeah, so I'm Khalil. Yeah, and I'm Kira. So we are Charm City buyers out of Baltimore, Maryland, and we have been really investing and developing in real estate for almost ten years now. So really focused on how do we turn vacant houses into homes? How do we you know build wealth through real estate? How do we do all of these things? How do we really impact the community and and really turn what people think about when they think about cities like Baltimore similar to what they think about cities like Detroit? How do we turn that on its head and give some folks you know something different to to reflect on when baltimore comes to mind not only as just a city but also as an opportunity to invest in real estate
0: yeah i love that what did you guys do prior to to real estate i know you did the started very very young you're young now when you were even younger when you started <laughs> did you do yeah. anything else before you dove into real estate
1: yeah we uh bounced around i bounced around quite a bit so from hr to sales to all kind of different things just trying to find my niche. But one thing I stay consistent is that positive uh, community impact and building wealth and something you can pass down uh, was always at the front of my mind.
2: Yeah, so for me, I worked in corporate. So I was a corporate girl. I was uh, worked at a Fortune 100 senior leadership kind of program that they had going on fresh out of college um, and then left that and actually ran, op- ran operations for a software development company. Hmm. So really started to learn like how do you run um, organizations, how do you lead people, how do you you know manage and create process, which really transitioned very well into us owning um, our own companies and being able to transition to full time ap- entrepreneurship in our twenties.
0: That's huge, and I I think it's awesome when people start real real young in real estate, but sometimes. I get concerned if they had no other life experiences that sometimes some of those fundamental like running operations, knowing how to deal with people, sometimes that can slow them down a little bit. Uh, and then with your you know, diverse bre- uh, background, Khalil, and then your background is like corporate and having dealt with operations. That's got to be helpful when you're dealing with contractors and you know, trying to do multiple things and all these, all these things going on.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I was working at that company, it was a lot about influencing and how do you manage people and get them on your team and on your side. So it spent um, a little bit of time um, really focused on not only that, but also working at a software development startup, all hands on deck. Like yeah. everybody's working on a little bit of everything. How do we not only... Um, get done what we need to get done, but also set the foundation for growth and for scaling. And so yeah. I think that that time at the software startup really helped us as well, for sure.
0: So how did you guys even hear about real estate? How did that enter your your radar?
2: Yeah. So for me, um, real estate was something that was planted in me really young. So I grew up hearing, um, and not only hearing, but also watching Um, farmlands being sold. I'm from Pennsylvania, originally, I was born and raised in Baltimore. So I watched farmlands be sold and housing uh, developments be built, right? So new construction houses um, popping up all over the place, kind of saw that transition. And also spent a lot of time learning about the history of my family, which had a lot of ownership, land ownership, starting their own businesses, owning a lot of real estate. Um, And so as I grew up, I realized that that's where I got a lot of that interest from is hearing those stories and, and that conversation. And I think you know, understanding. And once I understood how much power real estate had in um, building wealth and getting kind of more control over financial freedom, it kind of became a, a no-brainer for me.
1: Yeah. For me, entrepreneurship was always a big thing. Yeah. Just always wanting to lead by example and lead a team. Um, my, my father put a lot of that into me. You're a leader. You can do it. Like, if you can't work with your hands, great. If you don't work with your hands, work with your brain. And one step further, own the company. Yeah. Um, so that was always something that he continually pushed for both me, my my other siblings. Uh, so when I had the chance shortly after college to, to buy a duplex, I almost did, but decided to chase love <laughs> and it worked out.
0: <laughs> so which one of you, and I know you're both like totally into it and you and you love it and you're great at it, but which one of you was the spark that said, let's, let's do it. Come on, let's do this. Was there one of you that kind of came to the other one and said, let's do it?
2: Yeah. So doing real estate was definitely my thing, like, you know, kind of introducing real estate in the in the opportunity. But I think for me, Chloe was actually the one to spark my my interest in entrepreneurship because mm-hmm. I was on this corporate ladder yeah. trajectory and was going to kill it. Right. Yeah. Um, but Chloe was that person that really opened my mind to the opportunity of entrepreneurship and saying, well, why do that for someone else? You can do that for yourself. Yeah. Um, so kind of marrying those two things together, no pun intended, <laughs> actually made it um, a really awesome opportunity for, for us both.
0: So when you guys made the decision to do this, did you both just go all in immediately or was there a slow because you were in corporate, right? So was there a slow transition to like ease your way into it safely or did you just cut ties and go?
1: So, uh, in terms of our full time jobs, no, we eased ourselves into it. We made sure that we continued our operations until we got to a space where we had enough residual income from our rentals both of us could leave. But in terms of mentality and emotion and our passion, <laughs> we were all in front of the beginning first yeah. just moved right in. Yeah. yeah,
2: we were We were using our nine to five to fund our five to nine before it was a cool thing to say on Twitter, right? So <laughs> <you> know, before <laughs> everything was online for social media, we were out there just doing it yeah. um, and focusing on, you know, how do we take those transfer- transferable skills from work and apply them to ourselves um, but also being able to really focus on our why what we were trying to do and accomplish and, and putting everything into to making those things happen
0: yeah I love that and it's a good message because I think sometimes especially the internet and social media they really um try to try to really romanticize and make it seem real sexy to just like burn the boats, quit your job tomorrow, go all in. If you don't go all in, you're not serious. It's like, come on now, hold on. Sometimes people have like good paying jobs and a family and it's almost like it's irresponsible sometimes for people to do that when they don't have to. I did the same thing. I eased my way into it over the course of a few years and, you know, made a plan. And like, you know, like they say, I made a a jailbreak plan and I executed it and I got out. So, uh, and I think, you know, if you're, if you're 21, you live in your parents' house and you don't have any responsibilities and no bills. Great. Go for it. Day one. What do you have to lose? Right but uh, it's not right for everybody to do that. And I think sometimes people think if they don't do that, then they're not serious. And that's not that's not entirely fair.
2: No, exactly. Yeah, like social media romanticizes a lot of things that are really hard, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah. not until you quit your job that you realize, oh wait, how am I going to get health insurance? How am <laughs> I going to you know, do yeah. all these things that you quite don't always think all the way through when it looks cool when you're scrolling online. Um, and for us, it was, you know obviously we had each other, but we also had a daughter. And so there were a lot of different pieces Uh, to take into consideration. Entrepreneurship is is a lot of fun. And so it's really freaking hard. And so, you know, understanding all those pieces are really important. And so it's not just romanticizing, firing your boss, but also figuring out, you know, you gotta look in your in the mirror and figure out what's next sometimes when it's just yeah. you um holding yourself accountable.
0: Yeah, totally. So when you guys decided to go this route, obviously there's a lot of things you can do in real estate, right? There's tons of things you can do. And I and again, just kind of reading up on you guys and, and trying to really understand what you were about, it sounds like your focus is um is are long-term rentals, buy and hold. But I, I know that you also do some flipping. How did you decide where you were going to focus your energy and your efforts and what you were going to have, you know, what what was going to be your model? How did you make that decision?
1: Yeah, I think the the best thing that we did was sit down and say, okay, how do we make sure that there's enough financial income on a residual basis to ensure that we can really pivot and do whatever we want and need? Right. And that's where the the rental game came in strong for us. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. So we started with rentals and then we decided to move into flipping, um, really focusing And that's kind of at the time period when we started to to zero in on how do we add value to the goals um, and initiatives of Baltimore City. And so for the city, they want to build home ownership. And Mm. so we're just landlords, we're not adding to that, we're not participating in that. Um, And so we started to be able to turn those vacant houses into homes for people to purchase. Um, And then now moving more so into development. Right. If we want to have a say on what Baltimore continues to look like, then we need to step up and do the larger projects, the things that are going to really um, leave a mark on the city. And and that's where we are now, where um, we're working on a project that will be. Um, almost 50 new construction homes in Baltimore. Nice. Um, so really kind of having that full, you know, step-by-step growth over the last 10 years ago, from buying a couple rental properties to flipping and, and doing some large construction projects to now literally, you know, leading the way on what neighborhoods and communities, Complete communities are going to look
0: like. Yeah, that's awesome. How, so, it help people understand because I think this is always what in well, it's what interests a lot of people. A lot of people, when I get questions in the comments or you know on the um, uh, in the show notes or just through social media, people want to know. Okay, these guys sound great. They started young. They had great jobs. They transitioned smartly. But when it came to funding your first two or three rental properties, how did you do it? Because that's a stumbling block for a lot of people. Like, hey, real estate sounds great. We don't have any money. We don't know anybody who has money. Like, what did you guys
1: do? That's exactly right. So straight out of college, I moved back home. I was a year out of college uh, before she she left. Um, I moved back home. I, I slummed it. I had a 94 car. I, you know, one of those kind of stories I shared a room with with my brothers and I just saved as much money as I possibly could. Yeah. And we took that money and we put it into our first property. And then we snowballed from there with the rental income from that first multi nice. and kept on buying single family houses.
2: Yeah. And we were also really big on how do we learn and understand how money works? So using the different methods and, and approaches and getting access to capital is really big. So in addition to the cash that Clone I saved, to purchase that first property, we worked with a nonprofit that did funding for the construction. Hmm. We sell our finance to second property. We use a private lender for the third. And so what we learned really early on, um, which was very helpful, okay. is they print money 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it's your job to go get you some. Yeah, and So yeah. for us, we were building relationships and, and leveraging um what our goals were, um, and that ability to to connect with people to get access to those funds to be able to invest for for ourselves and our community.
0: I love that. Where do you guys where do you guys get funding right now? Do you have like a go-to method? Is it like private money or institutional money? like do you have a, a go-to method?
1: Yeah. yeah, right now it's primarily private. Mm-hmm. so um working with individuals syndications and then putting our own money into it as well. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think the the message here, and I was going to ask a leading question, but I'm not going to do that to you. But because I, I, I know the answer already, if your private lender or private lenders sort of went away, and maybe some of the other places that you've you've gotten money from went away, I believe the two of you, just the little bit I know about you, you would just figure it out. You would find someplace else to get your funding, right? And so exactly. when people when people ask questions of me, you, I'm sure you guys get questions from investors. Okay. When people say oh there's no funding and you say well here's what we did or here's what you could do and they go yeah but you know that's not how, it's not going to work that way for me because of the and it's like when I start hearing that I just go these people are trying to not be successful like because everybody I meet who has any level of success one of the common threads and I'm telling you it's it's a common thread through every single person I've ever talked to that has success or has reached what they are achieving or striving to achieve they just don't let setbacks stop them. They don't let not knowing something stop them. They don't let not knowing where the next funding is going to come from stop them. They figure it out. And I think that's that's exactly what you guys are saying here. You just you use private lenders, you use your own money, you used all these different things. And it's like, it, it wasn't like someone just said, here you go, here's the money you had to go figure it out, right? And create these, real. and that's another thing, by the way, relationships. People want to know where they can get the money overnight without any work or having to talk to anybody. Like, relationships are always the most lucrative and and beneficial, m- mutually beneficial, by the way, uh, yeah. arrangements that you can have. And, and it's, it's the cheapest way to go and it's the best way to go, but it takes longer, right? It's not a light switch. So uh, I, I think those are both great messages. Figure it out. And build those relationships. That's that's the key to success.
1: That's Absolutely. exactly right. And I think about our journey as you as you kind of bring, bring that up between private money, between nonprofit funding, um, uh, all these kind of different different positions. We've been able to just f- figure it out. We're at a point now where we're ready to start a fund mm-hmm. and get people's money together so that we can all kind of build together. And everybody gets a return and everybody wins. Yeah.
2: Nice. The, the difference between us and and anybody else that started, thought about it, considered real estate is that we just never quit. Right. We never yeah. stopped. We continue to find solutions throughout the way. And now, you know, starting our own fund, we're going to be able to be that solution for other people and be able to do more and, and create more here in Baltimore.
0: I love that. Can you talk a little bit more just for a second? I, I, I can just hear it. I can hear people out there going, tell me about this non-funding, this, no, I'm sorry, this uh, non, non-profit, non-profit funding. Mm. H- how did you come up with that? How did you find them? What was the general process for working with them?
1: Yeah, so our very first property, we purchased it cash, we owned it outright for free and clear. And we were at the RIA meeting saying, hey, we got a property we want to wholesale to you. Uh, and nobody bid on it because it wasn't mm. quite in a desirable area, XYZ, whatever. Okay. Um, but at one of those RIA meetings was a nonprofit organization. And their mission just happened to be um, to, to rebuild housing in the specific area where we had purchased the mm. house. So we met for a few lunches and a few uh, uh, conversations later, um, they were showing us some term sheets and and next thing you know, we're signing loan docs.
2: Yeah, so there's actually these nonprofit lenders all over the country that are focused on building communities and connecting with um, starting investors or even developers who are doing great work in in those neighborhoods. And so we like we built the relationship. Khalil did really yeah. um, made a connection with someone there and really told our story. And you know they wanted to invest in the young couple that was talking about doing these crazy <laughs> things. And we leaned into that and and made it happen. And so that seed planted, you know, really created everything that that came next.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so we've been awarded all kinds of tax credits and grants in 2020 and 2021, we received over $3.6 million in tax credits and grants, public wow. dollars to go towards residential wow. development. It's been it's been amazing.
0: And, and and one thing I want to underscore here, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you started working with the nonprofit who loaned you on that first deal, you didn't have some great track record. Like they weren't loaning uh-huh. to these like like proven commodities, right?
2: They were lo- lending to kids who graduated college a year beforehand, <laughs> yeah, right? So right. their entire thought process of who people were at our age would have been like a beer in a bar. Yeah. Um, so yeah. no, it, it wasn't the track record. It wasn't even a ton of money. It was literally us making that connection and and being steadfast in our goals yep. and what we were looking to do and accomplish, and and they invested in that more so than than our history because we yep. didn't have much of anything.
0: So so not having a history or not having experience is not an excuse, right? I mean that, that just it can't <laughs> be. Right, there's right. nothing's an excuse, but I, these are the ones that people bring up, right? So just I I don't want to put you on the spot here, but. Is there like a you said these these non um, nonprofits are all over the United States? Do you know of is there like a website or places that people can go to find that?
2: Yeah. So there's actually a kind of umbrella organization above most of them called the Opportunity Finance Network. Um, I think it might be OFN.org or something something like like that. that. Um, But just Google Opportunity Finance Network. You'll come across a website that um, aggregates a bunch of nonprofits all over the country that do exactly what the nonprofit we work with did with us. like
1: 200 or 300 of them out there. That's
0: huge. Opportunity Finance Network. So he said okay yeah. that's huge that's a huge that's a gold bomb right there for people so you know it's just funding is always a, a big you know it's just a big ex- it's it's an ex- it's all excuses right there's no reason for anyone to not be successful if they if they really work at it it's just it's work ethic it's like not taking no for an answer it's not stopping when you get the first hurdle in front of you all those things um talk to me a little bit about uh, because I don't get a lot of this on the show, and so I'm always interested. Working as a couple, how, how do you not, you know, how do you not get be at each other's throats, and how do how do you divide and conquer, like, or do you divide and conquer, or do you have overlapping responsibilities? How does that work?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, in the beginning, it was just one kind of small operation. We both hands on as much as possible. I mean, I remember times when I was painting one room and she'd be painting another room, and we'd be listening to the same music. <laughs> Nowadays, our business has grown to so many different so many different spaces, excuse me, where um, uh, we both have our own role and we both have our own part and we both lead the direction of of the businesses.
2: Yeah, and now we have a team, right? So we've kind of built where we have a team, we have a staff, we have all these things, um, but still for each other, kind of really... Uh, mapping out what each of us own as far as our responsibilities, and at the end of the day, because we, we're still married and we're doing business, so we do get at each other's necks, right? It is it it is like a real um, yeah. a real partnership in in all the senses of the word. Um, but I think with us, which is what has been really really helpful, is that we we're very um, specific and intentional about defining what it is we're trying to do and accomplish together Um, and define that together so that as you have the ups and downs in business and marriage and parenting that we always had this north star to continue to, to pull everything back together. Um, and so we've both kind of found and fallen into our own passions and our purpose within the business, but still also, you know, always trucking along to the same destination at the end of the day. Yeah, we're very
1: honest about our strengths and our areas for improvement. Mm-hmm. We balance each other very well. And one piece of advice I would... Okay. You
0: there? Yeah. I think I lost you for a second.
2: Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure. Everything kind of froze for a second. Yeah,
0: that's okay. I don't know whose who's end that was on, but you were just saying, Khalil, one piece of advice.
1: Oh, you probably right at the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> one, one piece of advice that, that I love to share with people, um, continue playing. Keep playing and keep laughing together. Um, as long as you can keep it light, keep it fun. Times get hard, times get serious, but keep it fun, keep it light. Uh, that way you continue enjoying each other's company and you continue working together.
0: Yeah. I love that. Do you, would you, and maybe this is a little bit of a loaded question, but do you guys think it's better to work when couples can work together? Is it, does it enhance the experience or do you think if one of you, let's just say one of you wanted to pursue a corporate career and go that direction, would that make the experience less?
2: So I think for us, we kind of max all this stuff out together. And so it's kind of, you know, we kind of, we built it all together. Um, But I don't think that that's for everyone. I don't think every couple, um, you know, should or can always work together 24-7 like we do. But I think what's important is that you communicate effectively. Everyone's clear on what their goals are, their fears, all of those things. And have those really clear-cut, intentional uncomfortable conversations to figure Mm out regardless whether it's running business together or um, running a household together or creating a future together that everyone has their role and their responsibility and has a say in what that looks like because even running a house like marriage itself Mm -hmm. is a business (laughs) right so being able to you know define that and figure out what is your mission and vision for each other in your marriage um, just like you would in your business is just as important so how you decide to do that in your household is up to you. Um, but really making sure that everyone has buy-in to where you're going. So you constantly have that opportunity to connect and have those, you know, important conversations on getting to where you need to go.
0: Yeah, I love that. I I was I worked with my my wife when we first started as house flippers. Uh, we worked together and it was great. It just she wasn't that it's not really her thing. Like she did it and she was loving it, she was into it, but honestly, you know how it goes, especially in the first two or three years. There's there's ups and downs. There's a lot yeah. of challenges, yeah. right? Yep. And uh, and she just didn't. It was getting hard to sleep, and you know she just wasn't yeah. enjoying it. But the great thing is, and what I tell people is, whether or not your your uh, your spouse or partner, whether or not they are in the business with you, doesn't matter as much as they support you. So if they're yeah. not in, as long as they're not trying to actively stop you you know what i mean like they're yeah, like right. hey and yeah. so that's how it was with me my wife's like i i did it uh it's great i i believe you i trust you i, I think you're gonna be awesome but it's i can't it, it's not for me it's not making me happy so you go be awesome and i'll support you and that's and the way it's gone and it's been it's been great so i agree with right. you it's not it's not for everybody to work together but i think getting the buy-in at least getting the support right. is huge
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and communicating because a lot of times that not, not getting the support is less to do with them, not, you know, loving you or believing in you. It's fear that they have themselves. Your partner has themselves about money, about risks, about things like that. And that's where that communication comes in. So you can figure out what that is, and then work through that piece together.
0: Yeah, if you guys remember, we I started in 08. You guys started sounds like just after that, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember back then? This is really what kind of was the knife in the in the in the in the back of my wife? Is you remember all of the flipping shows they had back then? Ar, Armando Montalongo and all these yeah. people screaming yeah. and all these horrible things happen. Like she would watch all those shows and just start getting freaked out about everything that could go wrong. Which we know things go wrong, but they're rarely as dramatic as what happens on yeah. those shows. back back then, which it was like, stop watching them. And she just kept watching Mm -hmm. them and it freaked her out. But (laughs) now I know you guys are are high on 2021. Uh, You you believe that this is a great time to be investing in real estate. Now, let me ask you sort of a, a challenging question. Okay. And I don't disagree with you, but let me just throw out some of the things that I'm hearing lately. With the market the way it is, pretty much everywhere, being pretty hot, right? And uh, sellers yeah. you know, getting top, top dollar on the MLS for houses that wouldn't have gotten top dollar a few years ago. Why is 2021 great? And why should they not wait until the market turns?
2: Yeah, so one, there's a lot of opportunity. A lot of money is always made in chaos, right? So when you think about the pandemic in general, a lot of people, you know, obviously it was challenging. And I'm saying this from a place of privilege and I totally recognize that, but there was a lot of, of, of people making a whole lot of money during the last 18 months. Um, and so there's there's that, there's that energy of being able to invest and lean into that um, question mark that's been the last you know, 2020 and and 2021. Um, But being in Baltimore specifically, that really hot market um isn't everywhere so we're still in a city where you can drive around and there are blocks of vacant properties and so knowing and understanding that even though the market and the mls is hot there's a lot of other places that you can find deals particularly off-market finding yourself getting it from from other investors or wholesalers or whatever um but there are still places that aren't seeing that same level of energy and that changes very very quickly and that's something that we've been really really vocal about this entire time is don't let kind of what you're hearing um, scare you away from taking action in the spaces and areas that are going to see so much growth in the next five to 10 years um, because of some of the seeds that are planted right now. You don't have to compete on the MLS with everybody that's looking to buy their first, second, or third home, but taking action now um, is really positioning folks for, for winning long-term for sure, especially in Baltimore where there's so much diversity in the market.
0: I love it. I love it and and I really think when people ask me that like, should I, should I start now my investing business or should I wait? What's the market like? I always just, I am wondering, like, do you want to do this for like a year and then get out? If that's the <laughs> case, maybe wait until it goes down. But like, if this is something you want to do as a lifestyle, you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to start a real estate company, there are going to be fluctuations in the market. Like dive in now and and figure it out. And, you know, people I know who've been in real estate for 20 years all laugh when people are like, should I wait? What's the market like? It's like, it doesn't matter. It only matters in how in how you react and what your mind—you like, have to change your approach sometimes, and you have to like yeah. do what makes sense in your current market. But I don't believe in this waiting until the market dips or until the market goes up. Like that's just nuts. Get in now and, and get it done.
2: Yeah, If we all had a crystal ball. I'm sure we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> right. We'd be over, you know, sitting on a beach somewhere just hanging out. So, yeah, no yeah. offense, guys,
0: but I wouldn't be talking to you right now if yeah, I had a crystal right. ball. I,
2: I, I, say that, but that's exactly what I meant. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, exactly. yeah, I mean, I think, you know, people try to time it and they're brand new to real estate and they want to time the perfect uh, time yeah. to buy the perfect house to get the perfect return. Whereas the, the truth of the matter is when it is the perfect time, you're probably not going to know what you're doing anyway. Yeah. So the best time to always get started was probably five to 10 years ago. And the next time, next best time is always going to be now. It, yeah. It doesn't matter what cycle of the market we're in because it is cyclical. And I think a lot of people's framework for what a correction in the market is, they think it's always going to be oh seven oh eight, and that's yeah. also not the case no. if you look at real estate over you know decades of time. No. So yeah, I I completely agree with you on percent. Yeah, oh, oh, wait. The, one
1: making, the, the, the one thing they're not making any more of is land. Yeah. yeah. So like, at the end of the day, the population is increasing. It's increasing exponentially. Like, people have to have a place to live. Yep. Might as well get in the market because it's going to appreciate at some point.
0: I love it. Guys, this is a good place to wrap up. But tell me, before we do, is there anything you guys want? Any parting words? Anything you guys want to leave the the listeners with or anything you want to talk about?
2: Yeah, I would just suggest people check us out on, on Instagram, uh, or so, all social media on YouTube as well. Um, Charm City Buyers Everywhere. Um, and you can also find us at charmcitybuyers.com. Those who are interested or thinking about Baltimore, um, as a place to invest, we have a really great class to talk about why Baltimore, why now, um, completely free when we drive drive uh, down into why Baltimore is important to us, things that people need to know coming into a market where a lot of people fail um, and giving some tips on how to make sure you're not one of them.
0: Love it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing. Uh, you dropped some huge gold bombs, some great tips. It'll all be in the show notes. Uh, again, thank you guys. I love what you're doing there in Baltimore. I love your mission. I love your, your purpose. So uh, keep up the great work and nothing but success to you in the future.
1: Thank, thank you, you. And thank you for having us.
0: All right. Thank you. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview, that conversation. Those guys are a lot of fun. I love their passion. I love their purpose. They have a lot of good energy about them. And that tip on nonprofit uh, funding is absolute gold. I didn't know about it, right? I learned something every day. Hopefully that was new for you guys and you should go check it out. Uh, it eliminates another excuse that I have all here all the time that people have. It's, I don't have money. I don't know how to get it. I don't have experience, right? always a way to do it. That's the message. Just go over, under, around, or through the problem, but get past it and move on and have that success. Guys, I am so excited to be able to bring people just like this to you all the time. I hope you enjoy it as well. Go out there and kill it. Have a great day. We'll see you next time.